Pineapple Pizza podcast discusses the histories, cultures, and beliefs of regions around the world. These stories often contain mature and sometimes disturbing content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up delicious slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. It's an interesting combination of flavors. Weird, but it works. Today's special is a horrifying deep dish of depressing portions. I'm your hostess, Elvira, and with me are the spooktastic and terrifyingly awesome Ashleys and Enchantress. Hi! We could probably do it this time. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be great. Got it. Nailed it. Done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Today's deep dish is going to be starring La Llorona. Ooh. <laughs> That's not a very good ghost noise, but it's all I've got. Ashley's into it. It was pretty good. It's all right. It was a very excited ghost. It was. <laughs> ghost was like, oh. I am very excited because I'm a terrible person and I like this story. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. Known as the Weeping Woman... La Llorona has been part of the Hispanic culture of the Southwest since the conquistadors first set their colonists' feet on the North American continent. She is said to be a tall, thin spirit with long, flowing black hair. And even though you're probably thinking of Samara from the ring right now, she is said to be quite beautiful in her sorrow, wearing a black or white gown as she roams along rivers and creeks, wailing into the darkness during her quest for children to snatch screaming to their watery graves. It's unknown where or how the legend of La Llorona started, as the tales vary depending on the specific region and the telling. The common thread that ties all of the legends together is the thought that she is the specter of a mother who committed the ultimate sin of drowning her children, and she's now doomed to wander the earth for eternity searching for them in lakes, rivers, and streams. It's believed that La Llorona has pre-Hispanic roots, linking her with Aztec goddesses, and she even has been thought to be one of the ten omens that foretold the conquest of Mexico. In a Florentine codex that was written in the 16th century by Franciscan friar Bernardino de Sahagún, it notes the Nahua peoples of Mexico and their beliefs and customs. One goddess noted in this codex could be tied to La Llorona. Well, one of two. Sio Cuatali, the snake woman, who is an evil omen that appears dressed in white that walks at night weeping and wailing, is the first example. Does she look like a snake? Why is she the snake woman? I think she does a little bit. Ugh. She is an omen of war that is the sixth of the ten omens, whose voice can be heard wailing at night, crying about the fate of her children. Another goddess noted in the Florentine Codex is Chalchiulitque, or the jade-skirted one who is the goddess of the waters and the elder sister of the rain god, Tlaloc. She was said to drown people and overturn boats. Because she sounds like Ashley. Sounds like <laughs> Sometimes you just need to flip a boat, okay? It's like you're trying to have a good day, shit goes down, you capsize a boat, it's fine. <laughs> Monopoly board, boat full of innocent people. 
She just flips over the battleship Six of game one, board. Half of the other. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. How are you so sure they're innocent? They could suck. So <laughs> During rain ceremonies, children would be sacrificed to the two water beings. And according to the Codex, the more the mothers and children cried, the more successful the sacrifice was thought to be. So not as funny as boat flipping, but you know. <laughs> as I've said, the legends surrounding La Llorona vary depending on where you are in the Southwest, but she is the most widely known ghost in all of Texas. This story is well known amongst Mexican culture, especially the Chicano Mexican population. One legend is as follows. During the time of Hernan Cortez, who is a dick, she is believed to embody either Doña Marina or La Malinche, who was a mistress of the conquistador. After bearing his child, she soon found herself replaced by a highborn Spanish wife, even after she'd helped him conquer Mexico by acting as his translator. As a Nahua woman from the Mexican Gulf Coast, her pride and jealousy drove her to commit acts of extreme violence upon his men and followers as a result of this slight. So she went full Beyonce on him. Would have been pretty sweet if she would have, like, just cut his balls off because he sounds like a total asshole, but what are you going to do? Yeah. What? If I could turn back time. <laughs> Listen, he sucks, so I stand by what I said. <laughs> I don't like people who are just like, oh, it's been fun, but you're not good enough for me to marry, so I'm going to marry this way better woman. Fuck you. Thanks for yeah. having my kid. I'm not going to take care of it. He deserves yeah. it. This is true. If that makes me seem bitter, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Another version involves a Spanish nobleman and a peasant girl. The young man fell in love with the woman named Maria. They are often named Maria in these stories. They just met a girl named Maria. I love that fucking movie so much. I'm good. No more West Side Story. I'm done. (laughs) And over a number of years, she had two or three children with him. She owned a little house where he would visit her and his small family, and even though he did not live with her, they were still happy and shared a life together, even though they were not married and their union was not blessed by the church. They're living in sin. What? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So sinful. (laughs) As a nobleman, his parents, knowing nothing of his relationship with Maria, urged him to marry a suitable woman in order to give them grandchildren. And after a time, he confessed to Maria that he needed to marry another woman in order to fulfill his duties. He swore that he would continue to provide for and care for her and visit her and the children as often as he was able. But this enraged Maria and she drove him away. On the day of his wedding, she watched from the back of the church, hidden by a shawl that covered her face so she wouldn't be recognized. After the ceremony had been concluded... She went home, and in another fit of rage, she threw her children into a nearby body of water before drowning herself. What did she think was really going to happen if she goes to the wedding? Like, you go there knowing exactly what you're going to see. I don't know. But now I'm so mad. I don't know. Maybe she wanted to see who he was leaving her for. Probably not somebody as hot. I mean, maybe she was just hoping that at the last second he would change his mind and not be a total shitbag. Maybe. Maybe. Just putting that out there, because that would explain, like, the next level grief reaction, then, of totally losing your shit and doing something crazy. Yeah. Upon reaching heaven and asking for admission, she was refused entry. 
When asked where her children were, she confessed that she did not know. In response, she was told that she would not be allowed into heaven until she had found them, and she was sent back as a specter to look for them. She now wanders along streams in the dead of night, weeping bitterly and calling for her children. In some tellings of this tale, she is known to attack men she comes across during her search for her children. She is said to wear black dresses, and her face often resembles that of a horse, but in other times it is horrifyingly blank. And in each, she has long fingernails that she uses to attack her victims. Blank as in faceless or just staring blankly? I don't know. I'm assuming just staring blankly at them. Cold and emotionless. Yeah. That's and then scary. she just starts attacking them with her long fingernails. She just like Freddy Krueger's them in the face or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? And then she just slashes their face all Wolverine style. And then she's like, no, I'm not okay, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, get away from me. Does she do it like Wolverine when he first got his adamantium claws and he was slicing through that bathroom sink? She's like, God, yes. this is how this works. Aha. Yes. So hard on the plumbing, though. So hard. Yeah. <laughs> Maria, as she's christened according to another version, was born to a peasant family in a small village. But this didn't stop her beauty from capturing the hearts of the men of the town, rich and poor alike. This is the one that I know. Ah. <clears throat> okay. Although she dressed demurely during the day as she went about her daily chores and tasks, at night she is said to have transformed a la Cinderella by wearing her best white gown before thrilling her admirers at the local Fandangos. Dance in the night sorry, away. Fandangos. Mm-hmm. Doing the special like dance. Although Maria loved the attention that the men of the village bestowed upon her at night, she had two small sons at home that made it difficult to go out each evening, and she often left them to fend for themselves while she went out dancing. In this legend, it's said that one day after a night of revelry, she came home to discover that both of her sons had drowned in the river while she was gone. Piggybacking off this legend, there are other versions where they drowned due to her neglecting them, while another variation states that she drowned them herself. So as you can see, there's a theme of like little variations depending on yeah. the story. So no matter what, she either snaps or is neglectful. So she's just not, not, not a top-notch mom here. Yes. Okay, maybe. But where <laughs> are their dads? Yeah. Yeah. Mom's well, fault. Usually fucking well, someone else. Well, I mean, if you drown somebody, it's kind of your fault. Yeah. It's not like an accidental drowning. Oops, I accidentally drowned my kids. Yeah, that's true. All right. There are still more variations to go through. <laughs> Another telling of the story is that La Llorona was a lively and loving woman who married a wealthy man that showered her in love, gifts, and affection. However, after she bore him two sons his nature began to change. And like Jekyll and Hyde, he began to drink heavily and cheat on her with a number of women. Almost overnight, his love for Maria seemed to have vanished, with him even stating that he planned to toss her over so he could marry another woman that was his equal in wealth and status. Yeah. I don't like him. Whenever her husband was home and not out with women, he would dote on his sons, yet completely snub Maria. It wasn't long before Maria came to resent her own children. 
One evening, while Maria and her children were taking a stroll near the river, her husband came via carriage down the road that they were walking on and stopped to speak to his sons. Again, completely ignoring Maria as he made no effort to hide the regal woman that was riding beside him. After he was satisfied with his chat with his children, he and the mystery woman rode off down the road without acknowledging Maria at all. Enraged by her husband's ill treatment of her, her resentment towards her sons boiled over, and before she had any conscious idea of what she was doing, she had already seized both of her children before tossing them into the river below. It wasn't until they, after they started to drift downstream that she seemed to come back to herself, and even though she ran down the bank to rescue them, it was already too late. They had been lost to the current, and Maria screamed and wailed in her grief as she ran home through the streets, calling for her children and her sorrow. Maria mourned her sons and what she'd done to them, refusing to eat even as she went along the river every day in her white gown to search for them. Each day she'd head to the river, crying and wailing as she called for her children, her dress growing more soiled and torn each day as she grew thinner and weaker because she refused to eat. It wasn't long before people began to view her as a form of walking corpse, and not long after she also died along the banks of the river, her body finally giving out. Following her death, the people of the village began to report seeing her spirit walking along the banks of the Santa Fe River as dusk fell over the land. The howls of her grief would fill the night sky, and people dared not travel after dark for fear of running into her. Others reported seeing her drifting in and out of the trees along the banks of the river, while others would see her seemingly floating atop the water itself as she followed the current downstream, her white gown fluttering behind her. Many villagers reported seeing her walking along the edge of the river, crying in anguish for her children, and she soon lost the moniker of Maria and instead was known by the moniker La Llorona. Parents would warn their children not to go out after dark for fear that she would grab them and toss them into the river in a fit of rage, just as she had done with her own sons. Another telling of the tale is that La Llorona was a sex worker, and each time she would become pregnant and have a child, she would take it to a creek or river and drown it. It wasn't long before one of her clients murdered her, and following her death, God refused to let her into heaven, forcing her to wander the rivers and walkways near the water to look for the children she had killed. La Llorona became so upset that she cried until eventually her eyes ran dry, leaving nothing but black holes where they once were. Her mouth also warped until it became abnormally large, resembling that of a horse. Anytime she would hear a child cry, she would come for it, assuming it was one of her own. Regardless of the origin story, La Llorona is a spirit that is not to be trifled with. Just as her backstories differ, her behaviors differ as well. Some say she kills anyone who is foolish enough to not heed the warnings and stumble upon her in the dark. Men, women, and children alike. While others state that she only goes after children, dragging them to the nearest source of water so they can suffer the same fate as her own children. The story of La Llorona is often told as a cautionary tale to young girls, warning them to not fall for men who have nice clothes and lots of money that may be considered too rich to marry. Because that's not sexist at all. No, none of this is sexist at all. It's definitely all the woman's fault in every single version of this story. Mm-hmm. Some areas of the Southwest claim that if you don't treat your family well, such as the wealthy man who cheated on his wife and refused to love her anymore, 
they will find themselves a target of La Llorona so she can teach them a lesson they won't soon forget. The Weeping Woman is regularly seen in Santa Fe, New Mexico, particularly in the Pera Building, the Public Employees Retirement Association. You're probably thinking to yourself, wow, that's super random. But that is until you hear that the property is built on land that was once home to a Spanish Indian graveyard near the Santa Fe River. One of those places. Many employees and former employees have stated that they've heard cries echoing through the halls and felt unseen hands pushing them as they walked on the stairs. Although she is said to primarily haunt the American Southwest, Mexico, not to mention Central and South America, there have been reports of her as far north as Montana along the Yellowstone River. Dang, she travels. Now that we've had a taste of what's to come... I'll be right back with your next slice. Thanks for waiting. Now that we've filled up on some historical context, let's dig into some meaty modern tellings. (laughs) It's believed that La Llorona arose from real-life experiences during the Spanish colonization of Mexico. Upon their arrival, there was a shortage of Spanish women in New Spain, so the men took to taking indigenous women as their wives or concubines. They also took advantage of the native practice of polygamy. Of course they did. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, these unions resulted in children, and the Spanish would continue the practice of taking children away from unwed mothers before placing them in a home with a couple that was of purely Spanish descent. Wait, wait, wait. Let's just clarify this one for a minute, right? They don't have Spanish women there to marry, so they go and they take multiple indigenous women, impregnate them, and then go, you're not a good mom, even though I kind of probably forced you into this position. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to take your children away. Yep. Spanish man. So they would take the children from the unwed mothers Mm -hmm. and place them in homes with women of purely Spanish descent after they had traveled overseas. And I would imagine having your children taken away from you would be a gut-wrenching experience. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention that mixed children, who were referred to as mestiza, were frowned upon and viewed as lesser than even the indigenous people of the area, as racial purity was increasingly popular for both of them. So the indigenous people and the Spanish both cared quite a lot about racial purity. These poor freaking kids. Although you may think to yourself that La Llorona is just a modern version of the Boogeyman, or La Coco, as we discussed from Chile, I wouldn't be so sure. I'm going to share some first-hand accounts of people claiming to have come across the Weeping Woman and who lived to tell about it. These are a lot. There are a lot of these, and they're all creepy. Yay. (laughs) Yay. Our first story (laughs) comes from New Mexico. Patricio was a small child when he and his family happened to see La Llorona by chance while they were sitting on the banks of a creek between Mora and Guadalupita. A tall, thin woman suddenly appeared on the opposite bank and seemed to float over the water before starting up the hill, where she proceeded to vanish before their startled eyes. As if that wasn't terrifying enough, moments later she appeared before them again much closer than she had before on their side of the bank. No. Before once again vanishing in thin air. Oh my god, run away! (laughs) I just, I picture her like blipping into existence in front of you with that little whoop sound. Yeah. Nope, 
out of here. Yep. Run away. Run Cartoon away. feet, Scooby Doo style, just running yeah. in the air. Yes. Now. <laughs> Patricio and his family looked for footprints where she had appeared, but found nothing. Why are you what? looking for footprints? <laughs> Run away. Are you still there? Run hey, this away. chick. She just mysteriously appeared. I wonder if she has footprints. <laughs> Does she have feet? Why is that your first thought? I know. Patricio is convinced that the spirit he and his family encountered that day was La Llorona. Our second tale comes from a man named Epifanio Garcia, who also hails from New Mexico. When he was young, he would often fight with his mother and father. And on one occasion, after a particularly heated fight, he, along with his brothers Carlos and Augustine, decided to leave home. The three left their ranch via a horse-drawn wagon, with Epifanio sitting in the front to steer the horses while his brothers sat in the back. It wasn't long into their journey that suddenly a tall woman dressed all in black with a netted veil covering her face appeared, sitting between the two brothers in the back of the wagon. Oh, Uh -uh. hell no. No. (laughs) (laughs) The specter was silent, and she continued to occupy her perch until Epifanio turned the horses around to head back home. After turning the wagon around... The woman spoke and said to them, quote, I will visit you again someday when you argue with your mother, end quote, before vanishing like smoke. Uh, okay, so personally, if there had been somebody just suddenly appeared in a wagon between me and my brother, my brother and myself, let's do that a little more properly. <laughs> yeah, God damn it. I know. English. I would, one, be hoping that I was wearing my brown pants that day. Yeah. to probably jump out of that moving carriage and peace out. Yeah, no kidding. Like, oh no, you know, I'll just turn around and take her back. (laughs) Like, why? (sighs) Nope, 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 nope. (laughs) Nope. In October 2008, Brian was 15 when he was camping at Indian Falls Rapids on the Yampa River in Colorado. He encountered La Llorona after he followed her to a cabin where he found a man inside lying in bed. Uh Uh-oh. He only caught a glimpse of the man's foot before he heard her yell for him to run, so he took off running. He later smashed his toe into a rock, which prevented him from running off a cliff into the rapids below. It wasn't until 21 years later when he saw an article about her in an edition of Mountain Gazette and looked her up on the internet that he realized who he'd encountered that day. Wait, what year was this that this happened? So he told the story in 2000. He, it happened in 2008. And then he looked her up 21 years later. But it's not... No, it doesn't make, that sense. Doesn't make sense. So he would have been... <laughs> so I was confused. <laughs> it must have been 2008 that he... Looked her up. Looked her up. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Are we telling the future now? It's a future. He saw a future magazine article (laughs) and used the internet with his brain. Another man, who chose to remain anonymous, told how he'd encountered her while attending Kansas State University in Manhattan, Kansas, in the early 1980s. One night, he went to visit a few of his fellow KSU classmates and friends who were living in a mobile home near a creek. As soon as he walked inside, he could tell that something was off. That's so funny. The mobile home in Kansas, it's probably going to be off. <laughs> I don't know why, but I was like so sure the name of the school was going to be KFC. 
go now. That's Kentucky, not Kansas. I know, but damn it, how different can they possibly be? I'm just kidding. They're probably very different. Please don't yell at me, people from Kansas and Kentucky. The pair told him that just before he had arrived, one of their bar stools had started spinning and hopping around all by itself. They were convinced that it was La Llorona, but as he had no context of who that was, they explained to him the legend of this woman from their Mexican-American heritage. Later that evening, they asked him if he would like to spend the night in a spare bedroom. And because this guy doesn't sound very smart, he agreed to do so. (laughs) Hours later, he awoke to find a woman lying next to him in the bed. No! 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 Who proceeded to ask him if he knew where her children were. Yeah. (laughs) He couldn't tell if he was half dreaming or awake. But when he opened his eyes, it was to see a dark figure looking at him from the doorway before quickly ducking out of sight. Ew. Ew. He went back to sleep, too scared (laughs) to get up and see if it was one of his friends checking on him or pulling a prank. How did he go back to sleep? I don't know. How? (laughs) In the morning, when he asked if either of them had checked on him, Neither of them knew what he was talking about. Or that's what they told him, at least. (laughs) One of them dressed in a dress and laid down next to him. Things appearing in bed next to you is not okay with me. I just want to put that out into the universe. Mm -hmm. Do not appear in bed next to me, spirits. Don't do it. Yeah, I don't like it. Have you seen my children? (laughs) Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. She like moonwalks out of there and then like creepily peers around, around the door. The door. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Tanya of Eureka, California shared a dream she'd had when she was in the seventh grade. She was standing on a dark road with only a dim streetlight to illuminate her path, but she noticed the ground was wet. It was lightly raining and she could hear the tap of footsteps off in the distance. As she tried to look into the darkness, she saw the figure of a woman dressed all in black with a dark, lacy veil obscuring her face moving towards her. In an odd twist, the rain seemed to follow the woman as she approached. She's got her own little dreary cloud. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, but what if we don't do that? Because that's creepy. And then, like, maybe also don't follow people in the dark. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. Just throwing that out there as a suggestion. As she got closer, she looked over Tanya's shoulder. And when Tanya turned to see what the woman was looking at, she saw a young child wearing a white nightgown playing with a doll in the middle of a puddle. After she turned back to face the woman, she was right there. Nope. Like three inches from her face. Oh, no. That's unacceptable. Get out. (laughs) Personal space. Yeah. Her veil had been lifted, and her eyes were abnormally wide as they stared straight into her own. Tanya woke up in a panic to discover that it was raining and refused to go back to sleep. And Mothman was standing over her. He was like, have you seen my butt? Have you seen my six inches? (laughs) Gross. A year later, she was at a sleepover with her friend and a girl named Sarah. Sarah, who was Hispanic, began to share ghost stories and legends from her culture. And then she started to talk about La Llorona, 
Sarah explained that she travels by water, dressed all in black or white, usually while wearing a veil. She only lifts her veil for her victims, those she chooses to help her find the bones of her lost children in the afterlife. So that So was she had up. a nightmare about La Llorona and found out that she's supposed to be a victim someday at some point. Yep. That's gross. Yep. A man named Pete encountered what he believed was La Llorona while driving across the San Bernard River in East Bernard, Texas. As he was crossing the river bridge, he glanced over to his passenger seat and was startled to see a semi-transparent woman sitting there. She was dressed all in black with a lacy black veil covering her face. Terrified, Pete gunned it over the bridge, refusing to look over at his passenger seat again until he'd crossed the bridge. When he worked up the courage to look over again, the woman was gone. Sounds like that episode of Supernatural, the very first one. Yeah, about the woman in white, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know, that sounds like what I would do. I'd be like, nope, if if I don't look at you, you're not fucking there, so... (laughs) (laughs) I refuse to acknowledge it. <laughs> you're not there if I don't see you. If I don't look at you, you're not there. Doesn't count. Get out. <laughs> a little girl named Daisy shared an experience she had in Mexico with her brother. When she was eight, her abuelita, my grandmother, asked her to go to the store to buy some soda while dinner was being prepared. She and her brother left for the store, disregarding the fact that it was now evening. And as they walked, they started to hear a wailing sound. It wasn't long before they saw a young woman walking towards them. Daisy's brother suddenly started to cry, and the woman ran towards them as if she was going to grab him. Uh Uh-uh. As she was approaching, they realized that she was floating, not walking, and the pair ran back to her abuelita's house. After hearing what they had experienced, the door was locked, and both Daisy's mother and her abuelita started to pray to God to protect them from La Llorona and to make her go away. Another little girl named Emily shares an experience she had when she was eight. I don't like this already. <laughs> this, you, this one's bad. This one's bad. Uh, no, why'd you pick this one? It's my name. She had been researching the legend of La Llorona when she started to hear strange noises coming from the bathroom. When she stopped in front of the sink, her head was suddenly shoved in and the water was turned on. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. The bowl began to fill with water, and she was struggling to breathe before she was finally able to scream for help. After a struggle, her mother was able to pull her head out of the sink and hug her. Her mother suddenly froze and screamed in terror before stuttering, La Llorona. That one was messed up. That one really messed yeah. me up. Oh. I just got like goosebumps all over my arms. Is just it weird forced. that I already already find the bathroom to be a really scary place? <laughs> no, I don't know why not. bathrooms unnerve me. Well, I know why I don't like them, and that's because there's always spiders in there. I don't have that problem. <laughs> I'm serious. It's a real thing. Bathroom spiders. No, it's a real thing. You do get a lot of spiders in the bathroom. Like you do. I get them in my shower a lot. Maybe it's because flies are attracted to the stink. I mean, hang out in my shower a lot. Thanks for calling me stinky, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm not <laughs> bathrooms in general. What are bathrooms you in general are kind of gross. So I don't know why. I just know that we get a lot of them in there, and they're usually lurking in the goddamn corner, and I don't appreciate it. Is it yeah. those, uh, the, the cream-colored ones that, like, the hang out up in the corner, and then yeah. they drop down like arachnophobia in the shower? Oh, no, don't like that. Don't like that at all. No, I don't either. 
if there's a spider in the shower with me, I will keep my eyes on it the whole freaking time. Um, I will scream bloody murder and then run. <laughs> That's probably how I'm gonna die if the Red Bull doesn't get me. <laughs> Shower-related spider incident. <laughs> how do you put that in an obit? <laughs> she died screaming about the spider. <laughs> it was bad. And really, em- and really embarrassing and we all wish she had wrapped a towel around her first. <laughs> <laughs> Reverend Kirkwood told the story of when she lived in Albuquerque as a little girl. While attending the Pajarito School in the South Valley, she met a little boy that was too young to attend school that would play by the fence that prevented the children from wandering into the irrigation ditch that butted up with the school. One day, the boy fell into the irrigation ditch, and although a teacher was able to pull him out and attempted CPR, he had already passed. The following day, the children stated that La Llorona had gotten the boy and explained to Elizabeth about the ditch lady who stole small children since her own had drowned in an accident. The ditch lady? The ditch lady. (laughs) The water ditch lady. Now I want to know what she's laughing about because she's freaking dying over there. She is. Is it because she's a ditch lady? No, it's because she said butted and I remembered the butt shook. <laughs> it's always Mothman's fault. <laughs> Everything comes back to Mothman. It does. Or butts in or general. Or butts. <laughs> Brandy from Santa Fe, New Mexico, recalls a story her mother shared with her about her experience with La Llorona. Her mother had lived in the same house for over 50 years, and when she was around 12, she and her cousin were hanging out in her bedroom during a snowy evening when they heard a noise outside her window. When they looked, they saw a woman dressed all in white, crying. After running to tell her parents what they'd seen, her parents went out to look and saw no footprints or evidence that a woman had been there at all. She and her cousin refused to sleep in her room that night. Years later, when Brandy was around 11, she experienced something similar under the same circumstances. And that's when her mother shared with her her own childhood run-in with the spirit. Adriana was 12 when she moved with her mother and brother to Monterey, Mexico in 1991. One night around 2.30 in the morning, she awoke after dreaming about her great-grandmother, who had been calling her name. After the third time hearing her name, she woke up and soon heard one of the most terrifying screams she'd ever heard coming from down the street. The screams continued to get closer and closer to the house, and no matter what she did, she could not wake up her mother. It finally passed the house and faded away, but the next day when she told her mother what had happened, she was convinced that it had been La Llorona. This is my last story. It's like super bad luck to have like a dead relative calling your name in your dreams and I stand by yeah. that. Like it's not good. Like no, I feel like that means you're going to die soon. Yeah, nothing good ever happens from that. Another story comes from the small village of Lompoc, California. This is another anonymous story and I didn't know if they were male or female so I'm just going to refer to them as they. When they were eight years old, they were one day extremely upset with their mother who made them sleep with her that night. They couldn't sleep and they tossed and turned for a long while before looking at the foot of the bed to see a woman in a black dress with purple trim. She had two holes where her eyes should have been and a no. large grin on her face. Uh-uh. Ugh. Nope. 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 The grin is... I don't know if the grin or the eyes are worse, but I hate... I the hate eyes. It. I hate it. 
Her long, straight black hair was moving as if by an invisible wind. Unbelievably, they weren't scared. They just stared at her for a long time. When she refused to go away, they eventually fell asleep. But after waking the next morning, they discovered that from that day forward, they would experience strange events in the house until they were able to move out of it. Okay, who are these people and how are they going back to sleep? Right? I was just thinking that. Can I get whatever it is that they're on, please? (laughs) (laughs) God damn. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to go back to sleep. Screw that. And please explain. It's like that. um, You were seeing Arkansas and Kansas. America Mm -hmm. explain. How is this person not afraid of seeing an eyeless, grinning creature at the end of their bed? And they're just like, oh, that's weird. Haven't seen that there before. I don't know, but they were, maybe it's because they were eight? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, a lot if of I was an eight-year-old kid, I would have been like, fuck that. <laughs> they're just really lonely, and they're like, this is my new friend. I'm gonna name my new friend Sue. Hi, Sue. <laughs> what happened to your eyes? <laughs> How many fingers am I holding up? I'm just Boy, kidding. A- <laughs> I know you don't have eyes. <laughs> Boy, that smile is awfully big. Those pearly whites. What kind of toothpaste do you use? Thirsty? Let me grab you another drink and I'll be right back. Thanks for waiting. Let me share with you where you may have seen today's special in action. The legend of La Llorona has been tied to the Greek legend of Medea and Jason a story of a barbarian girl who kills her children after being betrayed by her lover for a woman of higher status or race. Stories like La Llorona could be found in the Germanic and Slavic white woman tale, the Lorelei, who was a legendary German siren, and of course, the Banshee. Yeah. A 1917 play by Francisco C. Neve called La Llorona is set during the reign of King Philip II, so in like the mid to late 1500s. Luisa has a son with her lover, Ramiro, who is the son of Cortez. Fuck that guy. Although they spent six years together, he is forced to marry a woman of higher status. But he believes he can have his cake and eat it too. Because why not? Because why not? He's a Cortez. (sighs) Then Luisa goes mad after learning of his infidelity, especially when he decides to take their son with him. Nope, you can't just Mm -mm. steal people's kids, you son of a bitch. Nope. After breaking up the wedding, Luisa tells Ramiro he can have his son, who she kills with a dagger before offering his body to Ramiro. Oh, I don't like that. I don't either. Luisa is hanged for her crime and portrayed as a witch, and Ramiro dies in grief and sorrow after La Llorona haunts him following Luisa's death. At least he got haunted, but what the fuck? Yeah. In a 1933 novel and screenplay written about Cortez, he was cursed by the goddess of death during the conquest. La Llorona manipulates Margot, who she tempts into killing her son when she learns her lover and the father of her child is leaving her to marry an American millionaire. I'm so angry. <laughs> La Llorona's story was first captured on film in 1935's movie of the same name, which was filmed in Mexico followed by another version in 1960, which was also filmed in Mexico, and the 1963 horror movie, The Curse of the Crying Woman. A popular Mexican folk song bearing her name was written in 1941 and has been covered by a variety of musicians since then. And it's really good. You should listen to it because it's on my Halloween mix. What? How do you just sing about that? Like, yeah, yeah, she killed her kids. 
not a it's not a happy song. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I guess when I hear popular folk song, I think that that's probably going to be a little bit upbeat. It's a nope. good song. You should listen to it. Oh, well, I mean, it's in Spanish, but it's a good song, though. I have to check it out. A 1997 album entitled La Llorona by singer-songwriter Lassa de Sela explores the darker mysteries of Latin folklore with a variety of music genres. That one sounded cool. A play based on her was performed at the California State University's Northridge Little Theater in 1995, entitled Unconquered Spirits. A 2002 science fiction novel, The House of the Scorpion, references La Llorona, and her story is mentioned in a 2019 memoir called Ordinary Girls. In 2008, a Mexican horror film entitled Kilometer 31 was based on the legend, and a slew of low-budget movies bearing her name were filmed in the early 2000s, including The River, The Legend of La Llorona, Revenge of La Llorona, and The Curse of La Llorona. These all sound like those Cuche Sacayona I was just movies. thinking. <laughs> the scissoring. <laughs> she was the main villain in the 2007 film Hota Okel, and her tale is spun as a horrific accident in the 2011 animated film... Oh, I didn't translate this one. Fuck. La Leyenda de la Llorona. The Song of the Llorona. Yeah, where her children die accidentally rather than being killed by their mother. She also inspired the 2013 film Mama. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. In 2019, The Curse of La Llorona was produced by Warner Brothers, and a Guatemalan film entitled La Llorona was also filmed in 2019 and screened at the 2019 Toronto International Film Festival. During the filming of The Curse of La Llorona, the cast and crew experienced quite a few paranormal events. One of the cast was wearing a bracelet of protection from negative energy made of extremely hard stone, when during a scene it was torn off their hand and the stones were shattered. No, that's not cool. Another cast member experienced a horrifying dream, and when she woke up, she heard terrifying screams. Oh, God, that's not the way you ever want to wake up. Nope. I feel like you could never sleep again. No. La Llorona's also been included in TV shows such as Supernatural, Grimm, and Victor and Valentino. In a section of Mexico City that is known as Xochimilco, or the Venice of Mexico, there is an open-air performance on the Day of the Dead each year that bears her name. La Llorona is portrayed as a female warrior who sacrifices herself and her child in an act of vengeance against the Spanish. The performance is a way to celebrate the history, natural beauty of the water canals, and the ancient cultural traditions of the region. Ingredients for these dishes were sourced from a 2021 Legends of America article by Kathy Weiser-Alexander, a 2020 Texas State Historical Association Handbook of Texas article, 2019 Atlas Obscura article by Winnie Lee entitled How Mexico's Most Sorrowful Spirit Became a Cultural Phenomenon, 2019 Sci-Fi Wire article by Heather Mason entitled The Cast of the Curse of La Llorona Tell Us Their Ghost Stories, a 2019 Vanity Fair article by Lori Bradley entitled The Curse of La Llorona The Real Legend Behind the Horror Film, a 2017 History Today article by Amy Fuller entitled The Wailing Woman, and Wikipedia. That's, and that's La Llorona. That's so messed up. And creepy. I cannot deal with the lack of eyes. Well, you know, mm-hmm. she cried him out of her face, probably. Mm-hmm. By the way, I screwed up that translation. It's the legend of 
La Llorona. I mixed up okay. Leyenda and Cancion. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what it means. So, once. <laughs> We're all meant. just like, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds yeah. good, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, it's a really messed up story. There's like, um, there's a scene in the movie Frida, which I mean, we've already talked about how much I love that movie because I'm a, I love Frida Kahlo. We've already talked about that. But there's a scene where they sing the song La Llorona, like during the part of the movie where um, Leon Trotsky gets murdered. So okay, oh yeah. okay. So she's kind of also seen as like a, a personification of death. I feel like in that song, just like in mm-hmm. general, but it's it's a really creepy song, and I like it. <laughs> nice. Well, ladies, do we have anything spooky to share? Yes, I do. I have something spooky to share. It's not a it's not a ghost story per se, but it's something that's it still terrifies me to this day. So probably about two years ago. In this apartment, it was just as I'm about to fall asleep and I felt like I needed to get up and go and check on the kids. So I'm laying in bed with the bed being right next to the bedroom door. So I get out of bed, I open the door and I go out into the hallway. And of course, it's dark. There's a little bit of moonlight coming in through the windows, but that's it. So it's this short hallway. On the left-hand side is just the bathroom door and then directly straight in front of me, probably 10 feet or so, is the door to the kids' room. I step out into the hallway and this black figure, this huge black figure sweeps up on me, picks me up by the throat, carries me into the kids' room and pins me against the ceiling. And I can't scream for help. I can't breathe. And all I can think is this thing is in my children's room and it's going to get them. Mm -hmm. And terrified. And I remember that I I couldn't breathe. I woke up and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I couldn't scream. And I was just terrified, just tears streaming down my face. I've had a few sleep paralysis experiences, but that was just one of the most horrifying ones. And I still, every time I get up in the middle of the night and I go out that that bedroom door, it makes me nervous. I feel like it's there looking in the hallway waiting for me. It's creepy. I don't like it. Neither do I. (laughs) No, I think I'd rather get drowned in a sink. (laughs) (laughs) Try to choose between the two of those things for some reason. It was gross. I don't like it. Terrifying nightmare. Do you have one, Ashley? Yeah, I do. Um, not sure like how good of a story it is, but it just I feel like it counts as creepy. And since she just did a nightmare, I'm gonna do a nightmare. So I think I've mentioned before that I have really vivid dreams, and that's part of the mm-hmm. reason that I don't like listening to or watching certain kinds of things because I'll have nightmares because of it. Mm -hmm. So one time, um, and I never even finished reading the book, like that's how bad, like it fucked me up and I can't even remember what the name of the book was now, unfortunately, but I was reading this horror story, which was not a good life choice for me, but I was doing it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And it was kind of like, um... I don't know. Uh, To me, it's a horror story, but it's also kind of like a spy thing. So, like, this spy had gotten captured and was being tortured Mm -mm. for information. Yeah. And we all know they do some really messed up things to get information out of people. Mm -hmm. Well, when I went to bed that night, I had a really intensely vivid nightmare that I was getting tortured for information. And, like, I don't know if other people 
think it's crazy or not, but I swear to you, like, I was feeling pain in my Oh, sleep. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I swear that I was, like, actually feeling some of the stuff that I was dreaming was happening to me while I was still in my sleep. So they were doing things like ripping out my fingernails. Oh, oh no. Sorry. That's what was happening. <laughs> And then they made a fingernail ship. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, they did. They made a long ship out of my fingernail. That, that would have been kind of cool, though, uh, if it had. But no, they were doing things like that. Um, and then at one point, they got out like a scalpel and they were just like starting to slice Mm-mm. like various like Mm-mm. muscles in my body Mm-mm. to like Mm-mm. cause pain. And like it was a really horrifying experience. But at one point I realized I was dreaming and this is the only time that this has ever happened to me in my entire life. But at one point I, in the dream, realized I was asleep and that none of this was happening. And I was like, all I need to do is figure out how to wake myself up and this is going to be over. And then I just like looked the person who was torturing me in the eye and snapped my fingers and I woke up. And, like, I, Hmm. by the way, in real life, I can't snap my fingers. Like, I can't actually do it. So that by itself is weird. (laughs) Yeah, I, like, snapped my fingers and I woke up. Of course, I was, like, coated in sweat and, like, Mm -hmm. miserable. And my heart was still, like, pounding in my chest. But that was probably one of the worst nightmares I think I've ever had. Oh, those and are I, awful. And I don't know, like, at what point it was actually going to end <laughs> if it wasn't like that. So they didn't use the tooth crushing tool, did they? No, they didn't do anything to oh, my thank teeth. God. There Ugh. was there was a drill, but they didn't use it on my mouth. If that helps. <gasps> oh God. Oh God. That would be a nightmare. Yeah, it was rough. Mm-mm. Okay, so I say I purposefully saved my best story for last for this episode for paranormal stories. So I don't know if I've told either of you guys about the spirit that haunted my old house named John. Do no, you know? it doesn't sound familiar. Okay. We had this spirit that, to me, thinking back on it, he looked a little bit like H.H. Holmes without the creepy mustache. So, like, if you picture, like, a guy in that type of like suit with like the bowler hat. Mm-hmm. I remember him being very tall. He had really long legs um, and he was a very malevolent spirit. So there would be <sighs> nights when I would be sleeping and my room would suddenly feel very, very cold. And how my room was set up is at the time I had a day bed that I slept in and then like directly across the room was my desk that butted up with the bay window. So I woke up and like happened to look at the window and he was like leaning against my desk. And as soon as he realized that I had seen him, he walked very quickly next to my bed and like stood hovering over me right next to my head. And he didn't go away until I like had prayed a lot. And I don't normally pray because I'm not a religious person, but I was like saying quite a few prayers to get him to go away. There was another occasion where he was in the corner of my room and someone was over at the time. And we were both sitting on my bed and I was like, you need to leave because he doesn't want you here. And they were like, I don't understand. And I was like, you need to leave. He doesn't want you here. 
Oh my god, if you said that to me, I'd be like, I don't know if I'm ever hanging out with this chick yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. So when they left and I walked them outside to like their car and I looked back up to my room and he was like standing at the window waiting for me to get back inside. Uh-uh. And later that night, this was probably a sleep paralysis type of thing. He was still in the corner, like glaring at me. And at one point, when I looked over at him, he like pounced on the bed. And I felt myself visibly like or physically like jump on the bed when he landed on the bed. Mm -mm. And like he was like pinning me down. No. The last and the worst experience was... He used to hang out in the bathroom with me when I was taking Fucking a shower. Bathrooms, what did I say? Bathrooms are bathrooms creepy. Bathrooms are evil. And I would know he was in there because the lights would always flicker when he would come in. Oh my god. And so there was one morning I was getting ready for school and I had like gotten up early to take my shower for the day and I always close the shower curtain behind me when I leave the shower. Like that's just something I always do. Mm-hmm. I never leave it open. And I was going back into the bathroom after getting dressed to like brush my teeth and stuff. And as I was going to walk into the bathroom, the curtain started opening by itself. Nope. Nope. Like he was just like, yep, I'm still here. That is not okay. <laughs> so I started screaming for my dad. I was probably like 16, 17 at this point. And I like scream bloody murder for my dad to come upstairs. But it's like, what is he going to do? You know what I mean? But it was just like a gut instinct to call for my dad to help me. So yeah, that was John. He was a really fun person. See, the bathroom is such a vulnerable place because you have your pants down Mm -hmm. to do one thing or you're completely naked to do something else. Mm -hmm. Like it's such a vulnerable place, location to be in Mm -hmm. for spirits to haunt. Yeah. Have you ever seen The Haunting of Hill House? Mm -hmm. Nope. Yeah, the D- doesn't it hack, sound like the, the tall man? Hack guy? Yeah, yeah. that's There's what I was this, thinking about too. The way he leans over the bed and stuff—that's mm-hmm. exactly what he did in the haunting of Hill House. Yeah, or every time you would turn and look at him, he was facing the other direction, but he would somehow move up behind you. Uh, yeah, Mm-mm. nope, I don't like that's that. terrifying, Lindsay. Yeah. yeah. I watched that, and then I had a bunch of nightmares. Uh-huh. Like, I watched all of it anyway, so what? <laughs> Bly-, Bly Manor was nowhere near as scary. Haunting of Hill House was terrifying. I didn't finish Bly Manor. I think I watched, like, one episode, and I was like, I don't really feel that interested in what's happening here. Yeah, it wasn't as good. I mean, it was okay. But, yeah, apparently, Lindsay, you must have inspired, or John must have inspired the tall man. Here we go. Or he's legit, like legit, legit. And this is where somebody else wonder if John gets around like La Llorona. <laughs> well, on that note, before we close the pizzeria for the evening, I'd like to share a review from one of our satisfied patrons. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Fair 1020 shared the following review on Apple Podcasts, a flavor I never knew I needed. I'm admittedly new to the show and I'm hooked. I never knew there were so many versions of ricotta. I joke, but most of their content is foreign and new, and these three make it digestible, flavorful, and entertaining. A must listen. <laughs> Anybody else going, wait, ricotta? When did we talk about ricotta? I know. I was like, wait, ricotta? It's a joke and totally over the head. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> good review. <laughs> I like ricotta cheese, but it makes my tummy hurt. I like it too. It's really good. I actually had some earlier. 
earlier today. So. Nice. Oh. <laughs> Jealous. Well, thank you for visiting our beautiful pizzeria and enjoying a tearful helping of Halloween deep dish. Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Spooky and chilling. And not everyone understands our ghoulishness. But we're glad that you do? Question mark? <laughs> Yes, nailed it. <laughs> if you're enjoying the show and you'd like to help support us, check out our Tea Public shop for some amazingly fun and funny merch. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, you can do that on buymeacoffee.com and buy us a fresh slice cuz we can never get enough of basically anything if we're being honest. If you absolutely love the show and you want to check out some fantastic bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon and earn all kinds of amazing benefits. We have three tiers to accommodate almost any budget. The $3 Mythbuster, $7 Cryptid Hunter, and $15 Storyteller. Become a patron today and start enjoying all the perks and extra content right away. Don't forget... You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Pine App Pizza Pod. That's Pine App App Pizza Pod. You can also send us questions, comments, and topic ideas at Pine App App Pizza Pod at gmail.com. Remember, there's the two P's in app. Otherwise, you're emailing someone else, and I don't want to be held responsible for that. Thanks for stopping in for some deliciously weird morsels. And just remember, no matter how you slice it, you're awesome. And we love you.